I remember back in the mid-90s, Alex and I were in India. We went down to two little villages near Tindavandrum, south of Chennai, to conduct evangelistic meetings. We went way out into the countryside and arrived at this remote little village. And as soon as we got into the village, I was led to a hut where I met an old lady and she was there with her granddaughter. The granddaughter had a deformity. Her feet were on backwards. I'd never seen anything like it. And the lady said to me, if you pray to your God and your God heals this little girl, the whole village will turn to him. Wow. Well, I did pray. And God didn't answer that prayer. He's not blackmailed. And uh, a bit later in the evening we were coming and she, she prayed again. But I'll, I'll always remember that little child. I really, in my heart, wanted her healed, not for anything more than, but just for the lovely little girl to be able to walk in a normal way. Healing's an interesting subject. Over the years I've come across people who, on one hand, if you're not healed, you don't have faith. And on the other hand, we don't have healing at this time because that was for the first century only. So there's a, a wide scope of discussion on healing. I don't want to cover the, that, this that this morning. Um, that's a debate for maybe another time. But I do want to look at the healings that Jesus did, the results of those healings, and have a look at why he did them. And so we're going to look at four stories this morning. And we're going to start with uh, one by the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. And Ellen's going to come and read it for us. Stop sinning or something will 
man went away and taught Jerusalem as it was Jesus was meeting by. Thank you, Helen. So here we have uh, a pool, a pool which is probably about the size of this church from what I recall. There was a courtyard beside it and uh, in those days many people were lying there waiting for the stir of the water so that they could get in and so say be healed. And this, on, on a journey through Jerusalem, you, you pass by the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus was doing so, and as he did so, he saw a man beside the pool. First of all, that man had been there, and my verse in the Bible says, uh, for 32 years. It's half a lifetime. Raises lots of curious questions in my mind, who fed him, you know, what, so forth, and... But he was there 32 years, waiting for the water to stir. So say that he would be healed. And Jesus came along and he saw this man and he said to him, Do you want to be well? The man mumbled and said, Yeah, but every time I try to get in the water, someone gets there first, so there we are. And Jesus said to him, just stand on your feet and walk. Quite an interesting statement for someone who hadn't stood for over 30 years. But the man did so. To be healed, he had to get up and stand on those legs. He had to make the move himself. And that's a tremendous thing because, it, you know, my, my mind, I may be right, I may be wrong, is why on earth was he there 32 years? Why didn't he have a mate to push him in the, push him in the pond when the water stirred? Jesus had said to him, do you want to be healed? This could be a double-barreled question. Do you want to be healed or are you happy just laying there letting people wait on you? So if he wanted to be healed, he had to get up. He had to stand on those legs which would have been completely weakened over that period of time. And he did. He stood up, he wrapped up his bed and he walked away. If you want to be healed, pick up your bed and walk. Just do it. We find in the next verses that he goes to the temple. There's dispute amongst the, the, the priests and so forth, which are another story. But then Jesus finds him there. When Jesus finds him, he, he says to him, See, you've been made well. Jesus didn't take the credit for it or say, look what I've done for you. He just said, see, you've been made well. Sin no more. Sin no more lest the worst thing comes upon you. 
What was the sin of a man who had been sat by a pool for 32 years? He hadn't robbed many banks, had he? You need to know the history of that pool. A number of those pools, like Bethesda, Salome, were built by the Greeks. They were built many years before as healing pools. They were built to, for the god Aslipus. A god was apparently to have healing powers. They built pools by, by springs and of course occasionally there would be a movement of water. Just some disruption at the spring or an extra flood of water would cause the water to stir. But it was believed that Aslopus or his angels would come and stir the water and there would be healing. Uh, our verse in the Bible says, for an angel went down at certain times to the pool and stirred up the water. Many of the older um, manuscripts don't actually have that verse. We kind of get the impression that it was God's angel that went down, or they were expecting to go down, but it wasn't. It was the angel from a false god. And so what happened was this man was actually involved in a pagan practice. He was not a Jew or a Christian as such or anything like that. He was there waiting for a pagan god to bring healing. And I believe that when Jesus said, go and sin no more, it was turned turn from the wrong god. Look to the right God. And you know, we can learn a lesson from this. We can so often be looking for something in our life, be it healing, be it any, anything else, when we can be looking innocently sometimes in the wrong direction. looking for the wrong God to bring about the miracle. We can be sat there waiting, doing nothing, and hoping it will come to us. And the lesson in this first story is that if we want life, if we want to be well, and I, I don't mean just physically well, but in well-being, we need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our relationship with him and getting on our feet and walking with him that will bring about that change in our lives. Otherwise we can sit and waste it. It's a choice. Jesus asked the question, do you want to be well? And we're going to move to that now, to another story. And Helen's going to read to us now from Mark chapter 2, verses 1. 
sorry, 1 to 12. Another type of story altogether. Here we've got Jesus in a, in a home somewhere with a group of people. The home is crowded. Uh, there's no way in through the door. It kind of tickles my sense of humour in a way. Can you imagine a house group and then suddenly you see the tiles of the roof landing on the, on the lawn because uh, someone wants to get in. So they come in through the top. And this is the scene of that. The, the house was crowded, there was no way in. Of course, the, the roofs were different then, they were, they were flat. You can, uh, I've been to Jerusalem, you can almost walk across Jerusalem, across the roofs, certain parts of it. And Jesus is teaching and suddenly the, the roof opens up and a stretcher is lowered down. A man is paralyzed. He has friends. Somewhat different to our first story where he was stuck by the poolside here. He had friends who wanted to do something about it. Friends who realized that Jesus could heal. They couldn't get in the house so they went down into the house. And they lowered the man down on a stretcher. And when they came down, when the man came down into the midst, and Jesus said, when he saw it, their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. He had seen the faith of the friends. He doesn't at this point say, say anything about the man, it's about the friends when he saw their faith he healed the man on the stretcher and this in a sense gives us a, another lesson that we can get round somebody that has problems 
somebody that's sick, it can be other problems we, we can get round and support. We can initially be their faith, we can build them up. And Jesus honoured their faith. But he said to the man, uh, having acknowledged that, he forgave his sins without comment. He said, just looked at him and said, your, your sins are forgiven. He's still lying on the stretcher at that point in time. I don't suppose that's what the man expected. He expected to get up and walk. So there's a bit of a time lapse here. A time lapse when the people around him, scribes, Pharisees, would say to Jesus, who are you to forgive someone's sins? And Jesus replied, a simple reply, which is easiest to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, the answer, I suppose, would be quite easy. In, in a practical sense, it's easier to say something than do something. But that wasn't the point. These people were arguing against him saying it. And so Jesus said, Arise, take up your bed and walk. The same command as, the, as he said to the guy at the, at the pool, get up and walk. And the man did. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all, so they were amazed and glorified God. And we can see the answer to that question, which is easier. We can say things. Jesus could say, your sins are forgiven. And the question would have still been there. Who are you to say that? But when a crippled man, a paralyzed man, can get off a bed and walk away, here is a demonstration of God's power through healing. And it turns the question around if you can you can do that then you've, you've got the power to, to do this. And so here's our second miracle, a paralyzed man, different circumstances, different attitude, but the same lesson. He had to get on his feet, he had to walk. But it was there to demonstrate the power of God in the Lord Jesus Christ before these people that he had not only the ability to heal, but also the power to forgive. So let's move on to our next story in Luke chapter eight, verse 40 to 56. Jesus, the son of his house. It was his only daughter, a girl of 
her tail back. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his skirt, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched you? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and are pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told us why she why she touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe that she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him, except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were waiting and mourning for her. Stop waiting, Jesus said. She is not dead, just to speak. They asked him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. His spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So here we have two stories of very different healings wrapped up in one. Jesus is obviously now out in the open and a crowd has gathered around him again, being crushed by a crowd. And so Jairus came to her to him to say, my daughter is dying. Can you come and do something about it? It was a, a reach of faith for him because he would not have been like the disciples. This was something new. But he was desperate. Desperate to save his daughter. And the only chance that he could see was to Jesus. And so Jesus, we assume, started to make his way down the street towards the house. And suddenly, he said, who touched me? The disciples were absolutely amazed and said, look, there's a whole crowd jostling around you. And you say, who touched me? But a woman had touched him. A woman who must have been in a terrible state of health. She's had a flow of blood for 12 years. That was the lifetime that of that little girl. I know girls that two or three days a month is enough, but imagine 12 years. She must have been weak, she must have been anemic, absolutely desperate. She wouldn't have been able to come up and to, to talk to Jesus as he normally would because of her condition, because she was a woman.
but she touched him. And in touching him, we need to recognize that she made Jesus unclean in Jewish law. If you look at Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 19, it says, If a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean till the evening. She had 12 years of being unclean, 12 years of having to stay apart. But she came and she touched Jesus. And in that process she'd have made him unclean according to the law. But he said, who touched me? When the disciples questioned him, she said, I felt the power go out of me. Somebody who needed me, somebody who needed that power has touched me and taken it. And of course the, the woman was now exposed. She saw that, it says that when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Just having that faith in herself to take action, to to oppose the crowd, as it were, to, to reach out to Jesus, just to touch him, was sufficient. Sufficient to make her well. Her faith was all that was needed. And while they were talking about this, whilst they were having this discussion, someone came up and said to... Uh, Jairus, your, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. There's nothing more he can do. And Jesus heard this and said, don't worry. She's not dead. Don't be afraid, but believe. And she will be made well. Very difficult thing to do when someone is actually dead and, you know, believes that they'll, they'll rise again. Especially when it's your own daughter, when you're emotional. And so Jesus was showing that Jairus' faith was all that was needed. And in verse 51, and when they came to the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. I love this about Jesus in so many ways that he took people aside to heal them. He didn't make public spectacles. They were public witness, but not a spectacle. There is a difference. And also in a practical sense, can you imagine that little 12 year old girl being very ill, very sick, died, and then suddenly comes to life and a great big crowd of people around her. It would have been so scary. Jesus has compassion. He cares more about the people than he does the drama. The people outside were all weeping and mourning. 
They laughed at him because they could see she was dead. But then he put them all outside. He took her by the hand and said, Little girl, arise. I love this, it's so gentle. Just took her by the hand and said, arise. But once again, he'd made himself unclean. He'd touched a dead body. And that would have been against Jewish law. He would have had to isolate and do all sorts of things. But he didn't. He took her by the hand and he lifted up. And he said, give her something to eat. And that giving something to eat was symbolic. A dead body can't eat. A sick girl can't eat. She was well. And she was hungry. We know that when people are sick, when they start asking for food, they're better. But straight away he said, give her something to eat. She's hungry. It was proof of recovery. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. As I say, he didn't want to make it a spectacle. And so what do we learn from these two parables? One, well, the four parables. One is that you, you have to get on your feet. You have to have the faith to know that when Jesus says stand, we can stand. We have to know that God is powerful enough not to say, just to say our sins are forgiven, but to actually put life into us. We have to recognize that no one is too unclean to come and touch Jesus, to receive healing from him, to receive life from him. We have to realize the compassion of Jesus. No one's too young. And that Jesus in his healing, Jesus in his caring, he will reach out and touch even the little child. He will touch our lives if we come to him. There's a real contact between us and Jesus. Jesus loves us. He wants us whole. He wants us forgiven. He wants us to have complete lives in him. Many years ago, we used to sing a song, and I'm going to read it to you to now. It went shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and I am now no longer the same. He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. Since I met this blessed Saviour, since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternally, eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know. 
he touched me and made me whole. Father, we, we just thank you that, Lord, you accept us as we are. Sometimes we're unclean, sometimes we're looking the wrong way. Sometimes we're just lazy. Sometimes things overpower us, like this girl, she had no choice as to how she was. But Jesus cared. And Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you care for us. You want us whole. You want us to be fully human like you. And so, Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, that we reach out and we touch you. Lord, you went to the cross for us. You made yourself unclean there on the cross. You bore our sins. That we might be redeemed. You loved us so much. And Father, we just give thanks. Father, help us, Lord, to look to you. Help us to reach out and touch you. And Lord, in a few moments we're going to take bread which reminds us of that broken body. We're going to drink wine which was the blood which was shed for us to redeem us for eternity. And Lord, as we do so, may we remember and reach out. And so, Father, we just pray that you bless each one of us at this point in time. In Jesus' name. <clears throat>